You are listening to The Arrived Podcast, episode number 52. Hello, lovelies. I'm Bethany Reed Peterson, and you are listening to Arrived, the podcast all about helping you find your voice, tell your story, and create space for what matters. As an interior designer and now a coach, I've discovered that no matter who we are, we've all got one goal in common. We all want to feel like we've arrived. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Arrived. Welcome back to Women's History Month. Today, I have an insanely special episode for you. This beautiful woman that I'm bringing on to the show who is going to impart her wisdom and her lovely gifts uh, onto you is swiftly becoming a dear friend of mine. And I can't tell you enough what a pleasure it was to host her on the show. And as a matter of fact, um, she reached out to me a couple days ago on International Women's Day and just left me the sweetest, loveliest little message of encouragement and support for all of this. So my mystery guest on the show today is T. Keaton Woods. T. is an artist manager and coach focused on supporting and empowering artists, creatives, and female entrepreneurs. Through her background in producing and events, she developed a passion for making sure artists have a safe and nurturing space in which they can thrive. T recently founded the Tea Hive. Don't you love that name, the Tea Hive? We're going to chat all about that. Uh, she recently founded the Tea Hive and spends her days working one to one with clients, helping them connect to themselves and cultivate their dreams. This woman is the real deal. I'm so glad I met her through this crazy pandemic, and I can't wait to bring you this very special episode. Tea is full of warmth grace, integrity, all of the wonderful, amazing things that we celebrate and champion in women. So I'm not going to belabor it today. I'm just going to get on with the episode. So without further ado, please welcome the lovely, the beautiful Miss T. Keaton Woods. T, thank you so much for coming on to Arrive today. It's my pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yay! I love, 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 love Lunch Club. I know I met someone else and had them on the show who I met through Lunch Club. And I'm telling you, Lunch Club is a winner. We met on Lunch Club and you are also a coach. And so I realized, you know what? I haven't, I don't think, I've had a couple of coaches on the show previously, um, but we had such a good time chatting off record in our in our discussions that I thought it would be really fun to have you on the show as well. So we're going to chat today all about coaching and coaching for creatives and for female entrepreneurs and our health and why it's important, everything that you're working on with T-Hive and I digress. So let's dive right in here. Let's talk a little bit about you and your story for anyone who's not heard of Miss T. Keaton Woods before. Tell me about your journey into coaching and what your coaching is all about. My journey into coaching, so random. Um, it was one of those things I did like peer counseling and as part of a mentorship program I was in where I was actually mentored. I did some like peer leadership stuff and got some access to some coach training and understood it a little more. Um, and I'm a person who's had a lot of therapy for various different reasons. And 
then I worked with the coach, but it was something I was resistant to uh, for a long time. But then once I started working with my coach, I had been doing so much coaching myself. Um, I work with artists. I'm a talent manager in my other part of my life. Uh, so day in, day out, I work with actors and performers. And I realized a lot of what I talk to them about is their career, but it's not really. It's mainly about their life and their soul and why they do what they do and their motivations. And that's sort of what brought me to coaching. And then I was like, I need to formalize this, but I was still sitting on the fence. And then I had a very dear friend basically look at me and said, will you coach me? And I was like, no, that's weird. She's like, no, no, no. Like, I don't trust anybody else to sort of like drive me through this. So will you? And I said, okay, let me think about it. And I went home and wrote a coaching program. No way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I had only previously like professionally coached like and it was very loosey-goosey and much more intuitive um two people before that and but it wasn't like all formalized I didn't have all the plans and stuff and so she really sparked me and I was like okay this is not just my thing like there's always people coming to me being like t I want your voice in my head or like I hear these words strung together and they're in your voice in my head and I was like oh this is a call this is not something that I'm doing for me anymore. This is like a calling from something higher than me. This is my universal. This is my purpose. And I had been skirting it in all of these different ways. Like I started producing theater and then TV and film and other things. But it was always in the context of giving artists a safe and creative place in, to work and empowering other women in like very male-dominated industry. So much to unpack here. And I have a question on this as well. So when you're managing artists, Mm -hmm. what does that mean specifically? Let's talk about a little bit about that first, because managing, I would imagine is a very, very different thing than like you coaching artists. Yes and no. So a lot of people will be like, what is your job? And sometimes I'm like, I'm an adult nanny (laughs) and confidant. And like all those things. So like I am basically the hub in my client's team. And sometimes that's like communication with their agents, publicist, sometimes their accountants, lawyer, whatever. So people think of actors and they think like, oh, agents, the people who get them work and make deals and it's all Ari Golds. And I'm like, yeah, so imagine a person who's very aware of the business helps you make contacts and all that, but then also picks out your clothes or if you put an inappropriate picture on Instagram or if you have to go, like, you need a haircut or you need to gain or lose 10 pounds or why are you doing this and do you want to continue doing this? Like, is a lot of the conversation that I have as well as managing their schedules. And uh, one of my clients calls me the niceties manager. He's like, I know when I get to places like, the things I need to be my best are going to be there. Okay. I totally see what you mean now about like a, how this all dovetails in because so many of the things that you're talking with your artists about, you're right. I mean, a lot of these things are kind of interpersonal really. And so I can actually see now how coaching those creatives really does dovetail into artist management 
of sorts. Another thing that you had mentioned, which I think is ultra interesting, and for any listeners who aren't necessarily initiated into the world of coaching versus therapy, because you know, you've mentioned you've done a lot of therapy, and girl, I'm right there with you. Like I love therapy and I love coaching. And those are very different worlds, I think. So for someone who maybe isn't as familiar with coaching as they are with therapy, what would you say are some of the differences? just so that there's that distinction. For me, it's a very strong distinction, and I've done them in tandem uh, and separately. So I'm of the school of transformational coaching, so this is not about, like, bossing or leadership or, like, level up your Mm -hmm. life. This is, like, I want to change and I want to transform. And so a lot of people think, like, oh, I'll go to therapy to do that. But I find therapy is very much about, like, healing working through actual sometimes behavioral and clinical things and like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. coaching can also have a healing component but when I say it's about a transformational component a lot of times especially creatives and entrepreneurs get to this place where they're like I need to change something I'm feeling stuck yes And this is not, they're not having dark thoughts. They're not feeling a mother wound. It's not any of that. Like it is about, there is something where my head and my heart, my body and my offering is not connecting. And the coach is there to walk with you to help you reconnect those bits. Right. Oh, I love that. That's so true. And I find that too with therapy versus coaching is that, in therapy, there is or can be, doesn't have to be, but there can be a lot of discussion about your childhood, for example, and revisiting, let's say, childhood trauma or something, whereas coaching, you're so right, that word stucks. Your clients and my clients and everyone's clients who are coaches, they typically come to us because they need help getting unstuck on a very specific thing. It doesn't have to be work-related. It can be something that's life-related too. Um, but I think that distinction is really important to make. So you are super, super passionate about working with artists and creatives. When this friend reached out to you and said, I want you to coach me and I don't want anyone else to coach me. What's amazing to me, and I love this, I admire this so much, is that, okay, yes, you had this moment of, ooh, am I going to be able to do this? But then in the next breath, almost, it seems like you just created this coaching program basically because this friend reached out to you and you just did it. So walk me through that sort of mental process, because I think so many of us, speaking of getting unstuck or being stuck, I think so many of us, especially my listenership, can be in this place where like they really want to do something uh, big, whether it's a coaching program or anything along that vein, but maybe they just need that nudge. So what was that really that nudge for you if it wasn't simply your friend to go, okay, I'm going to get out of my own way and I'm going to do this coaching program because there is a need for it and people are asking me. Yeah, I guess because it had been un- informal up to that point, and I was feeling drained in a lot of ways because I am a person who tends to be like, here, let me hook up as many IVs as I can to my lifeblood, and all of you suckle. <laughs> and having this friend look at me and say, what you are doing is not only a service, but you not doing it is both harming yourself and also possibly not helping the world. And you have to go, and I had to go home and like stare myself in the mirror and be like, is this, what are you doing? How are you hiding? Mm -hmm. 
are you really following the passions? You've just made this big life plan maybe like nine months before with your coach. How are you progressing? How are you changing things? You say that you want to change the world. You say you want to be of service. You say you want to have this impact. How are you showing up? And so as much as it was a ask for help, it was also like she called me out. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> and like, you're not going to call me out. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, okay, all right. So there you go. It's so true. I mean, it's, I always like sound a little bit woo woo when I say this and I don't tend to be like a super woo woo person, but I so believe this. It's like when someone asks this of us, we have to do, I mean, of course, it's something you wanted to do anyway, but it's like your friend was so right. This person was calling you out because you have this gift. It is to coach other people. It is to coach women, especially. And to not offer that gift is really doing other women a disservice. Like it's doing the world a disservice, energetically speaking, right? It's like cutting off this like beautiful, positive flow of energy and abundance that we can be providing others if we take on the mindset of, yes, I can totally tackle this. I can help my friend out. And so that I think is a really beautiful, powerful thing. Something very similar happened to me. And that's why I'm a podcast coach now is a, a friend reached out to me and he's like, hey, can you help me start my pod? And I was like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. But I realized, you know, just like you, it's like, oh, I have to do this. I have this gift. I have to put it out there. So I love that you took this on and you created this program. And, you know, now you're working with clients one-to-one -one or in group coaching or how does your coaching work? So right now it's one-to-one. I love one-to-one. -one. I know a lot of people don't love it, but I love it because I like getting in there. So because it's pretty intensive, I will work with people for like sort of three months, but I prefer the six months to a year because you really get to like get in there, make plans, tune it up, right? It's not just like, oh, we're going to deal with this one thing. It's like somebody wants to change. Somebody wants to stand in their fullness and operate from their wholeness and their power. That takes some time, right? Because all transformation takes time. The caterpillar does not become a butterfly overnight. And there is a point of chrysalis during coaching and that unmade gooey part sometimes. Yes. But you have to, that's why you're working with the coach, right? To hold your hand, to be that guide, to be that voice that says, you chose this, you're choosing you, keep choosing and allow yourself to emerge from this cocoon and fully transform. It's so true. I, I think that, well, A, I love one-to-one -one coaching as well, but you're so right. It's, it is a process. And I like that you're asking and requiring really a commitment because A, it allows them to be, or they, they have to be more accountable to you, but you're with them every step of the way. Cause you're right. It's not just a transformation that happens overnight. It is a process and it's a messy process. And so I love that you're there with your clients working with them. Yeah. And it's super interesting too, because I know that you have a coach mm -hmm. and I would always say to someone, if you're thinking about getting a coach, make sure that they have a coach. And you know, weren't we talking about this off, yes. like offline, offline. last time we chatted? When I've worked with a therapist, the first question I ask them is like, okay, who's your therapist? Yes. You have one? Oh, you don't? Okay, I don't, 
Because where are you doing with all of your feelings and emotions? <laughs> like, how oh, are yeah. you still growing? Like, your work is to help other people, like, transform and grow, but you're not active about... Maybe your coach doesn't have a current coach, but they should have, like, a mentor and have had some sort of coaching in the last, like, couple of few years, I think, for me anyway. That's a really good thing to look out for is, yes, making sure that whoever it is that you're going to seek, you know, training or, like, a, you know, sort of deeper coaching with, that person also has at least a mentor or some type of coach that they're working with as well. Because we're all humans, and we can all bring our own things into our own coaching unless we're being coached ourselves. So I think that's really wonderful advice. You know, one thing I wanted to talk about with you is, one time when we were meeting on Zoom, is that's all we can do these days still, <laughs> even though we're well into 2021 now, you had sent me this email and you said, hey, do you mind if we like meet about 15 minutes later than we had planned? Uh, I really want to get a workout in before it gets dark. And I, T, I laughed so hard at that and I laughed with pure joy. And let me tell you why. I was thinking damn girl, I love that she was so honest and said to me like, hey, this is a priority, like you're a priority, but also like my health and like my safety when I work out is a priority. And I really want to be there for you. And I want to be there for myself. I mean, this was all the subtext that I was just reading from it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was sitting there thinking, you know what? I never would have until you, I never would have the courage to actually give the real excuse as to why I was running 15 minutes late. If it was like, I wanted to get my workout in, I probably would have made some ridiculous excuse up. Right. But I loved it because you were just honest. And I think sometimes as women, we don't feel like we can be honest when it comes to our health or it comes when it comes to like our commitments to others and, and dishonoring our health in the process. So walk me through that mindset because that to me was so fascinating. So I have a few rules that I have a whole bunch of like life tenets I live by, but I have a few rules for the way I enter relationships now. Um, Cause I have tend to get into a lot of relationships and then turn out to be a martyr. And as a woman, and as a woman who is a nurturer to my core and wants to caretake, half my like acting clients call me Mama T. It's ridiculous. I have no children, <laughs> but it's like in there. It's, <laughs> many of them are older than me. And so it's like this funny thing, right? Right. But I am like a total mama bear, like, like on your side. Mm -hmm. So when I'm forming a new relationship these days, and because of so what much work, of my work is about is authenticity and showing up in power and truth. I was like, this is a woman I could be friends with and I want to be respectful for her. And because I would love to possibly collaborate, form a friendship with her, I think she's an amazing woman. I want to show up in my fullness. What do I need to do that? Okay. It's a pretty day outside, but it's going to get dark if we take the call and then I try to go out. I would like to go for a little jog through the park. Okay, to be safe, I need to do that when it's light. Um, and so it was for me, it wasn't even a thought that I had that that could be misconstrued by, which I, once we talked about it, or like you like are mentioning it, mm -hmm. I honestly see that that could be weird to people. <laughs> that I would just be like, hey, I need to work out. Or like, you're going to get a crappy version of me on the call. And then I'm going to have a tainted feeling in six weeks, six months, six years mm -hmm. about you. Because that one time I don't work out. That's not on you. 
that's on me. That's not, that's on me and any woman and any person not taking up their space. Yes. And so it's just like when you come in the household, like for, you know, I watch some of my friends who are mothers who are working mothers and both partners are working. It's like mom, dad walks into the household. He may go to the bathroom or go do some things. Mom walks into the household and she's just parenting. Yes. So true. And so it's not in all relationships, but I watch it a lot with my friends, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a ton of God kids, lots of little people. So I get to watch these dynamics quite a bit. So for me, it's like, if we don't choose to take up our space, then we're not going to be showing up in our fullness and our authenticity. I'm not interested in forming any kind of relationship that doesn't allow me to do that. Mm-hmm. So to me, it wouldn't even occur at this point, but like, listen, (laughs) three years ago, five years ago, six years ago, girl, no, I was not, I was not there. Like somebody the other day was asking me something. I was like, oh, I've only been like a grown lady for like three years. T, you're like in your thirties, like deep, like you're not, I was like, yeah, yeah, but I wasn't like an adult before. So yeah, it's part of being like a grown up. But I love that. And I know that the word authenticity is like, we all overuse it these days and it is such a buzzword, but at the same time too, it's a buzzword for a reason because there's real truth in it. And I just love how honest you were. And I love that that is your mentality of, I need to be able to, you know, be right with myself. Like I need to get my run and I, whatever the workout was, what was the workout by the way? I don't think I ever asked you. It was like, yeah, no, no. I don't get me on the running. I desperately want to run. If there's a running coach, listen to this. I need a running coach. I'm an adult who doesn't know how to run. Uh, it's really depressing. Thanks, mom. Um, it was a light jog. Okay. Uh, I'm a hiker. So I jogged and then just did some like squats and stuff, but in the air under the trees. So it was good. Hey, but you know what? That's great. I love it. Yeah. And that's the thing. You're right. It's like not allowing yourself to take on this martyr attitude. Cause I definitely have noticed I've done that myself. Like when I feel like I have over promised or I have overbooked or I have overextended myself and that's on me. And then my, my schedule is manic. And then now suddenly it's like, I'm kind of micro resenting that person because I have that meeting that I, that I'm the one that said I would attend. So I love that you're just being like, hey, you know what? Can we like, just can I get that 15 minutes? And it's like, yeah, take that time. Because we really need to to foster a sense of health. And I, and I also say this because I'm coming off the back of, I think it's been like a month long illness where I have had zero energy. You know, you and I have had to cancel our calls many times because I've, I've just had to prioritize that. So I'm certainly by no means Ariana Huffington, but I am, I feel like I'm 2021. It's going to be like my year of promoting us taking a stand and having healthy boundaries around maintaining our own health, whether it's getting your run in or your jog or your hike in, or whether it's not overextending yourself so that you can maintain a proper sense of health. I just think that's really wonderful. And, you know, I, I don't like totally want to bring the gender card into it, but I actually do think that women are a bit more guilty of putting our own needs aside sometimes, especially our own health needs to accommodate others, because we do tend to be very nurturing, certainly not every mm-hmm. single woman, but a lot of no. us do tend to be very nurturing. And, and we can sometimes throw our own needs to the side to accommodate others in ways that we don't even realize until we get sick. And I think that 
I just would love to, because you, you mentioned this, and I think this is so important, the health thing, both mental and physical health. I think when we are feeling poorly, whether it's a cold or the flu or anything, the body's trying to tell you something. Yes. I, 10 days ago, pulled a muscle in my sleep, but I had been waking up for a week with a really tight jaw and my TMJ was going crazy, but I didn't pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. So then finally, my body was like, okay, missus, sit down. And so I woke up and I couldn't even walk because I had pulled my adductor and like my sleep somehow. Oh no. Your body, there are signals, right? And I always say like, and this is fairly woo-woo, but I can be woo-woo, so whatever. Um, the universe will give you a whisper, a strong voice, and a shout. So it gives you chances to listen. So I have just very much, after lots of injury and physical ailments and weirdness over the course of my life, learned to listen to my body and listen to my health. And if I don't take care of my health, I will not be here to help anyone else. Yes. So all of that martyring and servicing and doing those things, what am I going to do that to myself and to my grave? And like, then how's my light shining? Oh, it's not. So I am champion for health and making sure that we feel good and are checking on ourselves and checking in with ourselves and nourishing and nurturing ourselves as much as we would do externally. Yes, absolutely. It makes it makes so much sense. I love that. You're right. It's like our body does give us those warning signals. We just have to heed them and heed them in time. So you are launching a super cool endeavor called the Tea Hive, which I love that name, by the way. Um, I don't want to spoil uh, any of us here, so I'm going to let you talk all about it. But I do know it's for artists and creatives, and it goes along with the kind of stuff that you're doing already. So let's talk a little bit about Tea Hive. The Tea Hive. So I had a lot of different names swirling around and then it just hit me. The Hive. So I'm so happy you like the name and that it resonates with you. I'm Tea, obviously. I have in my coaching, the company I work with, my coach, she has this thing called your electric woman. And she's like your innate wise woman. And mine, when she arrived to me, her name was Lady T. And I thought if I'm going to put a company together, it has to be in her energy, right? And so she is the mama, the queen of this company. Um, and a hive is a place of busyness and activity, but also where there's work happening together. Our mind is a hive. The coaching relationship is a co-creative relationship. So we're working together in a busy activity to create something beautiful. And the sort of tag of the Tea Hive is cultivating creative connection. And the whole thing I'm trying to do is rehome artists, creatives, uh, creative entrepreneurs. And specifically in the entrepreneurial category, I like working with women uh, founders and creators, but all kinds of artists and visionaries and idealists, working them to rehome and reconnect them to their authentic, native, creative spark. I personally believe that artists are the most important people in our society, mm. our artists and our, our leaders. Uh, and by that, I mean entrepreneurial leaders, like those people who hold that kind of vision. Artists, because they document the time and the place in which we live in a way that a history book doesn't. So whether it's through a piece of music or 
a painting or the novel they wrote that's setting that time, that place. It cuts straight in until how they're witnessing the society in which they live. And then the businesses and the institutions and the things that people, founders, create, those things also reflect the time in which they're operating or they don't make it to market, right? They don't move forward. So working with those people and working with people who will reflect the world back to us yes, and hold up that mirror from where we stand, honestly, it's like the greatest honor and the privilege of my life to be uh, so entrusted with their hearts and souls and minds and ideas. So the Tea Hive is all about giving them a place where they can not only connect to self, but with each other and collaborate to create new, big, bold vision out in the world. This is such an amazing idea. I love this. And when you say rehome, well, you actually literally mean it's an artist in residence of sorts, right? Where people are literally coming and they're staying in presumably a large home or in one central location where they're working together in like almost a very communal way, I would imagine. So down the line, absolutely. Uh, having an artist in residence is part of the thing. Um, maybe you need to go off grid and record some songs or write the next great novel or a play or paint until we have the big house to do it in. I want to do it like a big country house uh, where I'm the hostess of the country house weekends with people and they can come, they can work with me or another coach one-on-one or in a group setting. Uh, But then they also have that time to creatively explore and work with each other. So that's the big goal. It's not um, the immediate, but that is the long-term vision. Um, In the meantime, it's Uh, what kind of partnerships and brands that I'm looking and in conversation to unite with. So maybe some places that already have like artists in residence uh, programs, et cetera, that we can expand some of the offerings, the coaching offerings and that kind of support to those people and then moving it on. I love it. But I think you make such a brilliant salient point, which is that artists can represent history I think much more beautifully than a history book would of course it's more subjective but we all know that history books aren't always actually truthful are they so giving these individuals that support to to actually have the means and to have the space both the mental space the emotional space the physical space to create their artwork to be coached by you and I would I'm sure others as well um, is really a beautiful thing I think I just think it's such a great point that you're right. It's we can sometimes when we look at art, we can sometimes think of art as something to consume at the weekend or something that, you know, once we can all get back into galleries again, you know, we can kind of be these passive consumers of it. But there is a whole circle of life to this, so to speak, which is that person is bringing something to us that will be a gift for many, many, many years to come and can rewrite history in a much more beautiful way than a lot of, you're right, like the history books have been written. So I love that you bring that up. Yeah. The other thing you had asked me about rehoming that I just wanted to make sure that I was clear about is because you talk about the artist. And I think that you mentioned galleries and you mentioned like music and these things. A lot of times, and you say it's subjective and that's right, right? It's from their one's standpoint, the place in which they stand and operate from. 
What I have found working with actors and artists and creatives is that once they have a bit of success or acknowledgement in the world, there is oftentimes a persona that is not pure to them that is mapped onto them. And so then it's like where the whole concept of typecasting comes from or when a certain person made a certain type of music and then they want to evolve to a different type of music but oh no because you're a country artist or you're a hip-hop artist or you're an r&b artist and it's like no they're a person who was ever changing evolving and growing so that's what they are and it is okay if they want to reconnect to Mm -hmm. that spirit from where they their first passion driven moment where they started on this creative journey but now maybe they have a following or access to a label or those kinds of things or access to having a gallery show but they're creating with that same initial passion not from this idea that is externally held of who they are Mm -hmm. then what is their impact then what do they put out there right yeah, not just driven from something that's, com- you know, it, it's commercially motivated because they had great success on that debut album or whatever, and their label wants them to put out, you know, the same album again. And they've moved beyond that because they're a different person than, let's say, when they mm-hmm. crafted that work of art or they wrote that album or whatever whatever it might be. So I think that's a really good point, too. And even if someone's listening to this and thinking, well, I'm not necessarily, you know, a a creative in that respect, I think this can apply even if you don't consider yourself an an artist or a musician or an actor or whatever, you can still use this with your own business. Because, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, even, you know, my own podcast, for example, the first 40 episodes were effectively crafted and honed for an audience that is is not necessarily my audience now and I'm a bit of a different person now than when I crafted those first episodes I still I still love them I still think that they offer a lot um but you're so right it's like we can take this mentality no matter what type of creative we are and we can use this to propel our own business forward so if you are listening to this and you are thinking I used to have this kind of vision on my artwork or on my on my craft, and now I'm moving in this direction. How does that work? You can make it work. And I think what T is saying is that we, we have to be able to support each other. We have to be able to support ourselves as, as creatives and support, I should, should say, each other as creatives. And I love that that's what you're doing and will be doing with Tea Hive. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I love that you said that because it's so important. Say that you're a founder, you founded a fashion app, And now you want to move on to a different kind of app, but because you're a woman or it was a beauty app or whatever, you have been labeled as a beauty founder or fashion founder. What do you know about tech? No, you're an app startup person. You do, you found apps. So you are a tech person. So that should not close the doors to funding and access to you to tech spaces because your original spark and idea of how you got in was bringing in another passion. So it's just about how do you position yourself? How do you choose to proceed with all, like all the tools in your kit and making sure you're, what you're putting out in the world is from a place that you want to operate from. I think that's such a wonderful point to, to kind of wrap up on today is yes, really thinking about what's that point in which you want to operate from where what's true to you what's authentic to you which is something I know that you're working with your clients 
on. And so speaking of which, I mean, anyone who's listening to this and maybe they think, you know what, I really like this woman. I want to work with her. T, where can they find you if they want to learn more about you and T-Hive and your coaching services? Right now, it's basically because I normally work with word of mouth, you can contact me via LinkedIn or email. So um, LinkedIn, I'm just at T. Keaton Woods. So it's very easy to find me just under my name. The new website will be up late spring, which I'm very excited about, the official T-Hive website, and then you'll be able to contact me there. Perfect. And I have got that in the show's description as well as the show notes. So go and and learn more about T through her LinkedIn profile. So T, the question I always ask every single guest on the Arrived podcast, it's the same. Um, It is one thing that listeners can do out there to feel like and know that they have arrived. I think every day when you get up, you choose yourself in that day. And you choose to go out and live from your place of joy. And some days it's sweatpants and some days it's a ball gown or whatever your version is of that. Like you guys are listening to me on a podcast and I'm in lipstick and I wash my hair and I put on jeans because that's what makes me feel arrived. Like I have shown up and participated. So I say, choose yourself and choose to live in your joy and passion every single day. And the road comes to meet you and you're there. I love that you're giving me permission to show up in a ball gown and show up in something that's less than a ball gown if I don't want to show up in my ball gown every single day. (laughs) Exactly right. Exactly right. Whatever it is for you, man. I love it. Yeah. Yes, but you're so right. It's like we just have to own it, don't we? I think that's such a remarkable and wonderful arrive tip. So thank you for that. T, it has been a blast as always having you on the show. And for for any listeners, guys, this is like literally what we talk about (laughs) anyway when we're not recording episodes. Thank you so much for officially joining me on the Arrive podcast today. As ever, it's been wonderful to chat with you, T. And I have to say thank you so much. This is my first podcast, so I don't know that I would have broken down this door if not for you. So I appreciate you having me and the conversation as always. You're so special and I'm grateful. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Arrived. If you'd like to work with me to find your voice, to tell your story, or to create space for what matters, you've got to join me over at atelierreed.com. And be sure to subscribe here so you never miss an episode.